It's been so long since we did the last one. The last one was beginning of May. It's a good that uh, good job that no one listens to it. <laughs> So welcome to episode 14 of the Digital Doctor podcast. I'm, I'm Wai Kiong and, and today it's just going to be the two of us, uh, me and Steven. Steven, to say hi? Yeah, hi. Um, so um, Ed had to pull out at the last minute uh, today, so we're going to make this a, a relatively short one compared to our usual um, uh, marathon podcast. Do you think and it's got anything to do with the new uh, announcement of iOS 7? Do you think he's just sort of buried himself in, in sort of new APIs and... UI kit and all this stuff. I think he's just using his new phone with the developer preview and shaking it side to side to see this layering effect. <laughs> the parallax. <laughs> yes, exactly. I'm I'm quite looking forward to that actually. Yeah, I want to download it on my uh, what, what what developers call your carry phone. So I only have one phone, and, uh-huh. uh, but if you've got two, like you're a developer, you got one your your dev phone and one your carry phone. I want to I want to install it on my carry phone, but I'm a bit worried about it. I do rely so heavily on my mobile setup that I think I would, if I if I messed it up, I think I'd be a bit lost. I would discourage you against that. So I'm going to completely hijack this particular podcast for selfish reasons. Um, about 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 eight days ago, I had an idea uh, for a simple app to count respiratory rate, and I posted this on the NHS Hack Day. Uh, Google group and it stimulated some discussion. So I thought um, we'll use this as an opportunity to talk about this, if that's all right with you, Stephen. Yeah, go for it. So I thought maybe you you are best to explain to our viewers what the respiratory rate is and why that's so important. Respiratory rate, number of breaths in a minute. And why is that so important for, for, for measuring? Uh, well, it's one of the physiological markers of how well someone is and it's the earliest physiological marker that goes wrong when you're sick, apparently. Mm. And of course, this is it's an essential part of all these um, early warning scores, uh, you know, in addition to things like uh, blood pressure, heart rate, um, and oxygen saturations and, and conscious level. But I think one thing we've always realized ever since we were medical students that respiratory rate is actually not done very well for all sorts of reasons. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I think um, it's traditionally people count for a minute. That's, I mean, it's expressed in breaths per minute. So, you know, the wis- conventional wisdom says you uh, should really test it for a minute. And I guess people don't. They do it over 30 seconds, 15 seconds, 20 seconds and times it by the appropriate factor. Um, but it's quite hard to count breaths. It's much easier to count the pulse rate. And as as we were saying before the show, there's no machine that's uh, in routine clinical use on the wards that will tell you a respiratory rate. And I guess that's the additional difficulty as well, that unlike the pulse rate, which in most patients are actually quite regular, the pattern of breathing may not be as regular as well, which is perhaps why since we were medical stu- uh, in medical school, we've always been told that the minimum amount of time that you need to count respiratory rate is one minute. Yeah. But I don't think that has actually been formally tested in any form of trial. Are, are you aware of any? I, I tried looking and I didn't see any. <laughs> I can quite honestly say I've never tried to look. <laughs> um, and there's also this other thing that um, most of the time, the observations of patients in hospitals are done uh, by nurses and healthcare assistants. And one thing, whenever I look at observation charts, I realize when I look at respiratory rate, they almost never change. When someone's respiratory rate is 16, the first time they measure, they're always 16 for 
at every single time. And just statistically uh, thinking about this, there must be some variation even within a patient. So it always makes me a bit suspect on how well people are actually measuring respiratory rate because looking at someone's chest go up and down for a minute is actually quite, I guess, quite laborious and maybe shortcuts are taken. Not that I'm... Insinuating people lie. Um, you know, but I guess when thing when things are imposed upon people without real evidence base, um, and it takes up a lot of their time, shortcuts inevitably take place. So it's a very pa- pragmatic view. So I was thinking, is there an app that can be created to help count respiratory rate, which is really simple to use? So, um, and I think we were discussing this uh, beforehand as well that. I thought of a simple app which every time you say see someone breathe, you just tap the screen of the iPhone or any mobile devices and it would just count the number of taps over a certain number of time and the and the um and the and the smartphone would just calculate uh how many uh from a simple mathematical mathematical formula uh how many breaths per minute. Um however the, the trouble with that is that it, that doesn't take into account how fast you are breathing. For example, if you are breathing only six times per minute, you really probably want to count a whole minute. But if you are breathing 30 times a minute, you can probably only count for 15 seconds and derive it up to one minute. And um, and you'd probably be quite accurate. Yeah, no, and I was saying I've got, I downloaded, uh, I mean, I teach ALS. Um, mm. And I really wanted to tell people what rate they were doing chest compression. So if you're in the Allegro, you're okay. But I found some people would just go absolutely crazy and start doing it really, really quickly. And they would mm. think they would think that they were doing it in the sort of correct uh, number of times a minute, but they're actually, you know, in the presto range or, or even higher. And um, this app, unfortunately, I'm just looking at it now. So it's, it's, it's as you describe, you tap the screen and it eventually works out after a few taps what the rate is, but it doesn't go very low. I think the mm. slowest rate I can record and give a musically appropriate name to is Largo, around 40 beats a minute. And uh, if right. your respiratory rate's up at 40, <laughs> there's something wrong, right? <laughs> and so in the process of thinking up this app, I actually thought it might be a very interesting opportunity to do a, a field trial to actually test the hypothesis to see whether you really need to count to a minute for the vast, vast majority of patients. Um, to get an, an an accurate respiratory rate field trial, like you're going to go down to the local farm and <laughs> what are you what are you going to do? So this is like the field trial in the wild. So the idea is quite simple. The idea is that um, we'll get some interested parties, medical students, nurses, healthcare assistants, fellow doctors, and we will make them use this app to tap over one minute how many breaths a patient take. Then what we'll do is we aggregate all these individual patient observations up into a massive database of observations. And we can then try to do some mathematical modeling to see what, for example, is the minimum amount of time or breaths that you need to uh, count to get to within, uh, let's say, 95% accuracy of a respiratory rate at one minute. Sounds very well thought out. Sounds good. Yeah, the the idea there being is that the 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 app will actually once you've got this algorithm built into future iterations of this app, the app will you just have to tap the screen and when the 
uh, the smartphone feels that you have done enough for a 95% accurate respiratory rate, it will just stop there and give you a respiratory rate. But what, I mean, what's enough? Is it going to have to take into account the variants and, and that kind of stuff and the frequency oh, that- of what you want it to do all of that? Work out. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. You want to do all of that, and and you know, given the kind of um, NHS hack day uh, culture, we, what we want to do is to put this data out there for anyone who might want to take this as a particular research project of a challenge. So we put the data out there, out in the open, that anyone can access, and we hope this database will be continuously updated. And uh, people with some interest in mathematical modeling and stuff might want to to take this on. And in fact. On the Google group as well, we've already had some offers um, for people who might want to do the analytics aspect of it. But I thought it might it works out as quite a, um, a interesting uh, experiment using a simple app to answer a very simple question out in the open, which can actually perhaps inform practice going forward. It sounds like a good idea, but does it need to be that complicated? Because all you really want to know is how fast someone's breathing and any improvement on the current system, which is, as you say, just write down 16 or, you Mm. know, if if they're breathing normally, write down 16 to 18. If it's a little bit fast, you know, you know, might you might decide to count it. It might be 24 to 28, something like that. And if it's really fast, well, you just put down 40. Um, Mm. I mean, that's the current system. So any improvement on that, I think, is a winner. So, but does it need to, what's the advantage of doing all this modeling stuff? Because what are you going to save other than a few seconds? So if it, if it was mandatory to count 30 seconds worth of breath, that's great. But by doing all the modeling and working out how many breaths you need to make a statistically significant, uh, you know, to have a, a sample that you could confidently say accu- uh, yeah, more accurately represents your, the actual rate more than, um, more than just doing it by chance. Um, you'd probably save a, a few seconds, but I mean, is that worth it? Um, d- when you mean it, probably save a few seconds. What do you mean? Well, say you were gonna you were gonna make a database and you would try to work out uh, how many breaths you would need to count to get a result that you could confidently say predicted the true rate um, to mm. a certain power degree of power, whatever mm, you decide mm, that mm, may be. Mm. Mm. and um, I don't see the advantage of doing that other than just mandatory collecting 30 seconds worth of data. You know, all you would do is count for 30 seconds, you'd get a rate. Why, why do you need to count, you know, work out how many breaths you would need to count? Because I don't see what you would save other than maybe a few seconds. But I suppose at the moment that we have been taught that you need to count over a minute for, to get a respiratory rate, not 30 seconds. Sure. But I mean, so, that, I mean so, that's just dogma and tradition because the, exactly. the rate is so, expressed as a minute. Yeah, so I thought it would be... So to challenge dogma, I feel that you need data and and this would be a very interesting way of generating that data so, to show that perhaps you do not need to counter a minute. So for example, if someone is breathing at a regular pattern yeah. at 28 breaths per minute, Counting seven breaths over 15 seconds will be enough to predict an accurate respiratory rate at one minute. However, if someone is breathing relatively slowly or in an irregular manner, the software will know that you can't predict with certain accuracy what will happen at a minute, then you need to actually count to a minute or maybe even more. So so that's I, I thought the collection of the data would be just a very um, interesting experiment. In, in modeling and also to challenge, uh, as you said, dogma that we, that 
has taught us to do this over all these years. Yeah, great. I definitely, I'm, I think it's a really good uh, experiment and it will definitely be fun, but I'm just maybe playing devil's advocate because I'm not sure that you need to dedicate so many resources to that. And I think maybe this is an information problem because um, essentially what you're expressing when you count things for 30 seconds is an average which doesn't give you as much information, whereas what you really want to know is the a bit more. So you want to know the standard deviation as well. So you want to know, and, and you probably want to know the min and the max. So what's the range of, of your breaths? So is you, know, you, you should be able to work out what the pattern of breathing is like. So if someone's got sleep apnea, for example, you, you mm-hmm. might be able to tell that just from looking at your data, whereas with an average rate, you probably won't unless it falls below a certain rate. So for example, if someone had sleep apnea, and they had an apneic episode and you start recording at the apneic episode. I'm just mm. imagining a computer doing this. Yeah. And uh, so the, the respiratory rate is basically zero or one mm. or two. Um, and then all of a sudden they come out of the apneic episode, have a partial awakening and breathe really, really quickly for a second. You might get an average rate that seems reasonable, but you don't have the extra information. So averages aren't the best way. You know, it's, it's a measure of central tendency, but it's not the best way to give you all of the information that you would need. You need to know the range as well. That's helpful. So Yeah, yeah no, I think your example is interesting, but I don't think that's the kind of point of this of this particular application because in your example you want continuous respiratory rate monitoring and and that is already done in sleep studies in sleep labs oh, yeah. um, but I, I guess this is dealing with the kind of the everyday observations that happen in yeah. what's up and down the country i was just doing it to mm. illustrate a point but what i was going towards was the kind of stuff that um uh, that we were talking about before and we've had all, offline conversations about you know edward tufter's spark lines mm. those kind of things so if you could show um say you monitored arbitrarily for 30 seconds someone respiratory rate and then the app could give you um, a, a graphical representation of what you'd recorded so it would tell you the average rate and it would also tell you what the minimum rate and the maximum rate was and how that varied over time uh. that would be interesting and if you express that in a way that you know kind of looked like a spark line where you could see each interval between the breaths and where each breath occurred you could get some sort of feeling more information about um, the breathing pattern than just simply a number which is an average but how would you do that just over one minute though you would feel you would think that you need a longer observation to do that the longer the better really isn't it in Mm. terms of respiratory rate and i mean i guess you can you can look at it if if the rate was incredibly variable then you 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 could decide yourself to monitor for longer whereas if the rate was fairly standard then i guess you wouldn't need to, to to do it for so long if you were breathing at a sort of plum 18 breaths a minute I guess this is why I felt that the, the, the modeling would be quite interesting as well, because what we are actually going to be collecting is like the actual timestamps of every time someone presses the button for someone when someone breathes. Yeah, and you could plot that, right? And yeah, and then you can, I guess what you can do is measure the variability between the breaths to see whether that correlates with the predictive accuracy of, of let's say, 15 seconds for one minute. Yeah. And this is exactly... Um, the thought process that gone into would be a very interesting um, modeling exercise mm. to do as well. So, I mean, that's basically the premise of it. And um, uh, Neville Dustel, who is a locum vascular surgeon software developer as well, has actually taken this upon himself to develop this app. So he's written it and it's on GitHub. Uh, at the moment, the top of the, it's called Seven Breaths because we just picked a random number and someone on the Hack Day Google group had the idea to just say, 
just call it the what you think would be number of breaths that you require and that would uh, rather than the minimum amount of time is about number of breaths so you know um if it's respiratory rate of 50 counting seven over 10 seconds would probably be quite accurate respiratory rate is seven you need one minute so it's not about the length of time so about number of breath so that's how the name that's how the name came about but um, he's written it and uh, i've got a version on my iphone and there's also a android package that people can download already that's quite funny that you picked mm. an odd number because you know that if you count for a minute there is a possibility you might get a, an odd number but if you count for less than a minute and you work out what it would be for a minute there's no way you can get an odd number except that a computer would plot the odd number yeah because the op- computer could say that um, uh, from breath number one to breath number seven it is 5.7 seconds <laughs> where else you you can't do that when you're a human being yeah yeah so it's quite interesting. So when you actually use the app, you do get odd numbers. What would you do with the app? I mean, what, does the app give you any extra information? So if you're a, a, a healthcare assistant and it's your first week on the wards and you count a respiratory rate that's either incredibly variable or quite concerning or particularly fast, does the app itself give you any information about you know, what that person should do? As in like what happens next or what does this mean? Yeah, I so think that's you- a very good question. So the, the originally thought, the, sorry, the original idea for the app actually came when I was reflecting upon the fact that uh, people will soon be entering. In fact, it already happens in many hospitals that people enter uh, observation data onto uh, iPod touches or onto um, small tablet devices. Mm-hmm. And they already do that. So I thought, okay, why don't you just build a simple additional functionality in instead of them entering the respiratory rate number after they have counted it in their head and done some multiplication why don't you just make them tap the screen and it will automatically generate the number and that's already entered that's great i mean this is definitely how i could see the nhs it moving forward if i mean if we had a sort of open source based infrastructure and uh, you know people like yourself and small teams of developers could go away and develop these little plugins that the hospital might decide to include in their system you know something that's useful for them and i think that uh, that's definitely the way i could see it working it'd be so yeah. useful so that was how it came about just thinking they already have a phone in their hands yeah sorry not a phone but any device they already have a device in their hand how can i use that device to make one of the jobs that they have to do easier because at the end of the day it is about getting an accurate respiratory rate. Yeah, you could also so, just throw the iPhone on top of their chest and let the accelerometer do the rest. So that's fascinating thing that you said. <laughs> that um, so so lots of people have said, why you mean you just tap the screen? How is this innovative? I said, well, it's not about innovation, and and it's not well. Maybe it is about innovation, but it's not about always the coolest and sexiest thing. The yeah. moment you put the device on the chest and make it count up and down, it suddenly becomes a medical device. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah. And then you need to, and then you have all sorts of regulation around the quality of the accelerometer. Has the accelerometer been proven? Does you it know, cause cancer? <laughs> absolutely. Infection control, of course, you have oh. to put it on someone's chest. Yeah. Um, so, you know, absolutely. And there are apps that already do it and they're on, on, the, I, uh, and they're on the app store. You can go and download it, use it on yourself, use it on your family. But that's not the point. <laughs> Yeah, it's much simpler. And I think there's also something, I mean, there's lots of talk about automation and there is so many things that could be automated around the hospital and I think that's a good thing. But at the end of the day, I think what's also needed is you need to kind of force that interaction um, between patient and healthcare 
professional. You actually have to have someone go to the bedside and take a respiratory rate in a way that's, you know, clinically mean. If it was all automated, no one would be able to assess a respiratory rate. So if, for example, the, you know, the automated process failed or there was something wrong with it, we would be all de-skilled, wouldn't be able to take a respiratory rate. I mean, I'm just using this as an example. It's not, not a difficult thing to do. But I think that going to the bedside, taking a respiratory rate from a patient is a useful exercise for them because it makes them feel looked after for you because it makes you feel like you're doing your job and it also helps keep your skills up. So when I when I when I posted this tweet up onto the my my Twitter stream and I copied one of um, uh, a nurse in and 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 she was and it was quite interesting conversations that were generated. It says that you know. Taking observations is not only about taking the numbers, but it's also give us an opportunity to assess the patient in other ways. Yeah, precisely. Um, and that's exactly right. But I don't understand that as a criticism for this particular app because no, no. this app still actually requires me to stand next to the patient yeah. and interact with the patient. In fact, I think it makes the interaction easier because you can actually observe and tap on your phone and that's probably easier to do than having to look at the clock, look at the second hand and Count look at the head. patient's chest at the same time. Exactly. So I don't quite understand that particular criticism because we're no, not... No, no, no. It wasn't a criticism of, of your app. It was criticism of it, um, or further automation. So, for example, mm. if you did have a device that would measure the chest rising, not, not someone's see. iPhone, okay. but yep. say, I mean, you could potentially do this completely or you know automated you could have a bed that would um or you know an infrared camera or or a sort of motion device or you know electrophysiology that would monitor someone's breathing i mean that's possible but i don't think that's good um it might be good in a, an intensive care or, or high dependency setting mm-hmm. but i think on the ward day to day further automation could be detrimental whereas this app i think the advantage of it is it still requires you to walk over to the bedside say hello to someone and interact with them in a clinical manner so it wasn't a criticize criticism of of this app actually i think it's a strength so yeah so so that was it basically about the the general idea i just thought it would be an interesting um tiny research project um the barrier of creating this app was very low uh, it didn't take a lot of time and i thought that it the it'll be a, whatever happens will be an interesting study so people who are interested um um you know, look up the digital doctor or my my particular Twitter stream, and there will be announcements coming. And of course, this is you know, it's completely open source. It's there on GitHub. We, in fact, on GitHub itself, we are encouraging you to to edit the wiki. It's completely open. Oh, uh, got a wiki put, too. Sorry, you have a wiki too. The wiki is on the GitHub page. There's a there's actually a wiki tab on the GitHub page. Cool. Yeah. So, you know, ideas, discussions, uh, research questions, we're very welcome to put it there. And, and, and you know, so we thought that would be a interesting thing. And I think this also kind of emphasizes one of the really cool things about the NHS Hack Day community, which is that I thought of this idea exactly seven days ago. I, I wrote it up as a blog post and on the NHS hack day google group and seven days later there is an actual functioning app and we hope that within a week it'll be on the app store and we'll have groups of people hopefully you know giving up some of their time to count respiratory rates around the hospitals and we can then collect this data and see what stuff we can come from it 
Yeah, I mean, any anything that can make the uh, NHS community more like the programming community, I'm definitely in favour for. So, you know, thank you to all the NHS Hack Day people that have created this really positive culture around advancing IT in the NHS. And I think it's great that um, th- that everyone's been able to get so much support for, for different projects and that the NHS actually, um, you know, Tim Kelsey and, and the NHS um, IT gurus are actually listening to, to what's happening. Mm. Yeah, it'll be interesting to to see where we go from here. So, so yeah, so what I think we have loads of um, topics and episodes uh, that we have kind of cooking. Do you want to go tell some of our listeners what kind of things we are planning to talk about in you know in the coming months? Yeah, I mean the things that interest me the most, I guess, are having a sort of brainstorming session about how we 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 would redesign healthcare now that we have all of these uh, tools available to us. So sort of challenging the existing dogma and uh, really rethinking about uh, the way that a hospital might work, the different workflows you might go through to accomplish a job or a task. I mean, mm-hmm. I think the early episodes we were talking about our bugbears. So we did we did the bleep episode and the and the paper list. I mean, those those were no brainers. We had to get that off our chest. But now. I think I really enjoy just sitting down and thinking, well, how would clocking a patient ideally work? Do we need to clock patients anymore? And and uh, how can we transfer information between clinical encounters? How do we collect data? Those kind of things. I think the the clocking thing was amazing, and I think it was it was uh, idea suggested by Marcus, who's a, a GP uh, around. I think he's up around a Manchester area, mm-hmm. and uh, and I guess the simple question is. What's the job of a clocking? If you take uh, Christensen's uh, job to be done framework, yeah. I mean, we just take it for granted that this is something that needs to be done for every patient that comes in. In fact, they get clocked by a and E doctor, who then get clocked by the medical um, admissions or surgical admissions team. They then get a more focused clock. Stop! By stop! The- don't get me started. Oh, we go on going for hours. We have to wait for Marcus. We can't. We can't do it. <laughs> You can't do it. Can't get started it's, on it, Wakey. It's too can't. tempting, isn't it? It's too and tempting I, to just kick off because I, I mean, I could spend all day talking about it. And then another another topic that I really want to revisit, especially after that incredible episode that we had with Bill Aylward from um, Open Eyes, is about open source and healthcare organisations, and why that it makes sense for the NHS and how how that can become a reality, but. And what the current situation is with that. So that's, I've I've been thinking a lot about it. And as a as a as a reading list for some of our um, our listeners, we'll put it on the show notes. Um, but it'll be a there is the, some writings um, by a guy called I can't remember his name. I think it's um, Raymond King uh, back in uh, 1997 1998. It's called the Cathedral and the Bazaar, which is an essay that he wrote about open source. Uh, then, which actually changed the way uh, Netscape at that time thought about what they wanted to do with their browser and make it open source. And I think that's his writings are really, really good and has a lot of uh, important principles to talk about healthcare. And I think that's a great way for people to introduce themselves to what open source is all about. It's Eric Raymond. So he's, oh, right. Uh, Sorry, uh, Eric re- Raymond. Oh, I'm reading the goodness. Wikipedia page. This is how to remember it. So his name is Eric Stephen Raymond, uh, born 4th of December, 1957. And people refer to him as ESR. ESR. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. I like that. It's a he- very and hematological reference for you. You'll never forget it. Just that I hardly use the ESR anymore. I think it's great. Uh, we, we we look at plasma viscosity, but not many Ooh. hospitals measure that. Yeah. No, exactly. I mean, I would like to know that. I mean, it's essentially the same thing, isn't it? It's just one's a surrogate for the other. 
Yeah. So yes, that's right. Eric S. Raymond. And um, we'll post a, a link on the show notes. Yeah. So I think um, we can probably call this the end of our, probably our shortest episode ever. Yeah, it's good. Just get. Uh, I mean, it's been so long since we did the last one. The last one was beginning of May. It's a good that uh, good job that no one listens to it. um yeah so um, i hope you tune in soon i think we've we're probably going to have a spate of quite a lot of episodes in a short amount of time because we've got so many ideas that we want to get out there we've got uh, more guests coming onto the show that hopefully we show um so that you get more variety than just the three of us and i'm sure we'll be looking forward to welcoming um ed back yeah when he's uh dealt with all the xcode issues and everything else i'm sure we'll be back all right so um, that's signing off from me. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Don't hang up. <laughs> <laughs>